0: The Nerdist School Network For class and show information Visit NerdistSchool.com Hi, I'm Amanda Salvatore And I'm Jackie Ray And we're the two hosts of The, the guilty, guilty Pleasure Podcast. Podcast The show where we celebrate and elaborate On our odd and embarrassing interests Hey Amanda, what's your guilty pleasure? I like dipping donuts in soup Oh really? No, but that's the kind of stuff we talk about. Check us out every week on the Nerdist School Network. Want to submit a guilty pleasure of your own? Email us at guiltypleasurepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. <laughs> everybody, welcome to the Novice and Frank comic book podcast. I'm Amanda, I'm the Novice.
0: I'm Frank, I am the Frank.
1: That's right. And uh, today we're talking Nightwing. Super exciting. We got a, a recommendation from Mario. So Mario, this one is uh, for you. We're going to try <laughs> about a very specific arc in Nightwing. But before we do that, we gotta do our very traditional improvised theme song.
0: Yes! Are you
1: ready and excited? There you go. Okay.
0: Swinging through
1: the air with the greatest of ease. It's not a little boy on a flying trapeze.
0: Sure, his parents fell to their death because of a
1: mobster. But he doesn't look anything resembling a lobster. (laughs) That's the only rhyme I could think of.
0: His name was Boss
1: And he had a dark and twisted past. We're gonna talk all about it on this episode of,
0: of the, the Novice,
1: novice and, and Frank. Frank. Beautiful. That's bellissimo. Bellissimo. <laughs> <laughs> a little teaser. A little teaser. Yes. I brought a lobster into it. I don't know why. I, know. I loved it. I loved it's it. It's mobster. That- Mobster's a hard word to is there anything else that rhymes with lobster mobster uh, other than lobster?
0: Lobster? Uh I don't think so. mobster, lobster lobster. Robster. Robster? Yeah, they
1: all call them robster.
0: Yeah, it's a really hipster uh rob bank robber. Just called me it's robster. <laughs>
1: he's like a bank robber but like with a skinny ironically twirled mustache yes um, it's like are you from the 40s or are you just from Silver Lake
0: hey man just give me your money man, oh,
1: man. Hey.
0: Just, just give me your money that's right, <laughs> what I want
1: hey man I knew about this uh, I knew about this bank before anybody else did <laughs>
0: huh.
1: uh, yeah so we thank you so much for listening we are recording from the glorious uh, San Fernando Valley where the parking is plentiful and Phew. the ethnic food is in great variety
0: I love it. I mean, you already have me at uh, Parking is Plentiful. Yeah. Because as much as we'd like to and enjoy the the Nerdist School podcasting booth mm-hmm. over at Meltdown Comics mm-hmm. on Sunset Boulevard in sunny Los Angeles, California,
1: mm-hmm.
0: parking can be hit or miss there. It, it can be. It can be a little frustrating.
1: Yeah. And when you live in L.A., that's kind of a big deal um can
0: we do the the hottest segment in podcasting right now
1: yeah yeah oh you you mean what's in the bag what's in the bag what's in the bag
0: what's in the The bag
1: bag? beautiful (laughs) i like i like it all right you want the you want the first go oh my
0: gosh i'm so excited oh wait
1: oh Oh, there's all these things. Oh, that's why. Here, close your eyes. All right.
0: Eyes I'm going to close. close my
1: eyes, too. Okay. This is and I'll gonna... just awkwardly put things in the bag. So Mike went back and got more comics. Love from, it. But he used the bag to transport them. So uh, there's a bunch of stuff. And he came back with, um, I think, exclusively a variety of Spider-Man comics that were all signed.
0: As if uh, we weren't trying to even more tie into the fact that Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out in theaters in July.
1: That's right. So I'm going to put... Okay, so here... These are all just assorted. These are not all Spider-Man. Oh, You can gotcha. open your okay. Oh, okay, okay. So these are all different assorted comics. So go ahead and reach in there and grab...
0: I'm, I'm going I'm to go oh, I'm towards the front. This looks kind of fresh. Oh, this looks thick. This looks like... What is it? Oh, man. Oh, 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 oh I got a two for... I got a, oh, I got a three for... How many for... did you
1: pull out of there? I,
0: I meant to grab one. Okay,
1: great. So Frank did all three
0: all right. for this
1: segment. What, what do we have? We have,
0: we have Harbinger, Harbinger. Uh, which is from Valiant Comics. This is the first trade paperback. Oh, okay. a collection of their stories
1: I don't often see a trade paperback in a in cardboard and plastic uh,
0: very true ne- neither do I hmm. I I think though at the point of getting the trades whether it be in hardcover or soft covers the fact that you know you just put this on the bookshelf yeah I would never put it in a bag because this makes me think like you're gonna be putting it in an account book box
1: yeah what is there anything special about that one
0: not that I know of I mean uh I mean this is a as far as I know was pretty easy to still get a hold of if you okay. want to. All right. So, uh, but again, this is, uh, I never read any of the original Harbinger line from Valiant. So I've, I've read the reboot that they did for the past few years on the Valiant line and it's mm-hmm. been a good title. Okay. Uh, it'd be interesting to read the first issue and kind of just see how the concept applies between the two of them. Okay. But,
1: yeah. All right.
0: All right. Okay, great. Oh, next. We've got the first issue. It is a collector's
1: item. It says it right on top. That's how you know that it's true. That's right. <laughs> it to say? He's mean, he's a machine, and now he's monthly. <laughs> what a great, like, tagline. So, this, so 1st of July, uh, what, what's, I don't know anything about Deadlock. What's his deal? Deathlock, he Deathlock, sorry.
0: He has had a couple iterations. He was first introduced, oh, gosh, I believe in Captain America, I want to say, with J.M. DeMatteis and Michael Zeck. Okay. And he's like a, a, a cyborg, half man, half machine, mm-hmm. from the future. And okay. then I believe this version of Death Lake, though, I believe it's a gentleman by the name of Michael Collins. Okay. Who, uh, through, after an accident, gets bonded with this cyborg body. So okay. it's just that, that kind of uh, learning how to kind of... How do you exist when you have this computer that's programmed for one set of actions, and how do you wrestle it along with your human side too?
1: Okay, so the cyborg has its own agenda.
0: So, in a sense, to like, hey, it is, it is. Uh, you're you're fighting because the machine is like, hey, I'm have been programmed to just you know deal out ass whippings. Oh, okay. That's right, and so Michael Collins is like, hey, you know, we can be more. You can exceed your programming. You know what? Okay. You can be better than just a killing machine. We could be, you have some sense of humanity.
1: A man can change his stars. You might say. Ah, look Do you at know what that. that's from?
0: Uh, no.
1: A knight's tale.
0: Oh, it's been quite a while since from I've uh, watched that. The late
1: great Mr. Heath Ledger.
0: Who had I think it was a document documentary last night. Uh,
1: yeah, I didn't yeah. see it. I heard. Uh, I mean, it looked like it was going to be good, but that that movie's a lot of fun. The movie uh, took a lot of flack, but I, I thought it was pretty fun.
0: When they sing, uh, when they dance to uh, Golden Year.
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah the score is fantastic. Well, and I also, Alan Tudyk is in it, and I'm a big Alan Tudyk fan. How big? Uh, enough that I saw him at a show. He was in the audience, and Nathan Fillion was on stage, and I about cried happy tears. That Alan me. Tudyk was there. That they were both, well, they were both there. It was pretty exciting. Alan, so Alan Tudyk, Alan, if you're listening. Uh, and he is. And he he is. is. I'm going to just assume that he is um alan came i used to work in a gym i used to work at 24 Fitness in hollywood and he uh came in and i was working at the front desk at the time and you're supposed to like greet everybody when they come in that's kind of part of it and greet them when they leave and i mean that's like and there's a lot of different that particular location there were a lot of like celebrities of varying levels that would come in it was never a big deal so alan tudy comes in and i know he's also i think from uh, Plano, Texas, which is near where I grew up. Mm. I think he lived there for for some time, and uh, and he came in, and he was but like he looked great. He was like like pretty like he looked like he was pretty well built, but he gave like gave me his ID and I scanned it and I saw his name and I looked up and I was like Ugh. and I probably was just like, oh my god. So he went into I was like have a great workout and he went in to, to work out and I've literally I've scanned I had scanned in a bunch of people. Nobody ever, I was like, I don't care who, I don't give a shit. Um, he walked away and I was like, oh my God, that was that one too big. And my coworkers were like, who? <laughs> and I was like, um, you know, I just started listing off like a crazy person, just like listing off all of his crap. Cause I think he's just an amazing actor. I think he's really, really good.
0: You didn't take that opportunity to tell him that?
1: I did, well, you never want to make it super weird with people. And so on his way out, he was leaving and I was I was like, okay, goodbye to different people. Just like, bye, have a good night, nice, nice night or whatever. And I was like, have a good night, Alan. And he turns and he like looks at me and he was like, thanks, you too, and waved. But he was clearly kind of laughing that I like called him by name. <laughs> and I'm like, here's <laughs> the thing. I'm actually supposed to call all the guests by name if I can. But I'm like, I'm not going to remember all these strange. Like, we get there's so many people that came into that gym at the time. I'm not going to remember. But... I remember Alan Tudyk.
0: Look at that. Yeah,
1: I think he's really great. You didn't take
0: that opportunity to throw yourself at him? No. Why not?
1: Because...
0: You like going to the gym. I work at a gym.
1: What are the odds? We could see each other (laughs) literally five times a week.
0: I could set you up with extra towels.
1: (laughs) I don't mean to brag, but I've got a protein powder hookup. It's isopure. It tastes like garbage, but it'll get the job done. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. (laughs) No. Well, no, so he was super nice, and then and then I saw a really uh, a really great show at Comedy Sports, which is a If anybody was listening. Comedy Sports is a national, it's like a national chain of improv theaters, but there's one Comedy Sports LA, and I went to a really great show there. Um, uh, Quarters in June it was mm. a really really cute show that they do over there. It's really funny, and um, it's like a it's supposed to be like a um, oh gosh uh, Nicholson May. You know, oh, the yes, classic yeah. comedy duo. So it's, yeah. it's like in that style. So it's sort of retro. They have a live pianist and they have cocktails and they just like kind of get drunk and it's really funny. And Nathan Fillion was their guest star when I saw the show. So I kind of went to support the great performers that are in the show. It was like a super happy, fun thing that Nathan Fillion was also there. And Alan Tudyk was there in the house watching Nathan Fillion. And I'm like, they're best friends. It made me really wow. happy.
0: And at the end, did you talk to either one of them?
1: Um, Alan, T- well, this is the thing, right? So Alan, two that came out because he was clearly waiting for Nathan Fillion. Well, it only took you know three minutes and people started approaching him right away, and it was just kind of those things where I just don't like being that person, and I think that what you have to be aware of is that even if it's just you, you're like all I want to do is go up and be like, hey, your work means a lot to me. Thank you so much. That's great. But once you do that, you open the floodgates for everyone else to be like, oh, it's okay if I approach them and talk with them. Yeah, and so I just, and, and it's like sometimes I'm like, if he was on a date or something, I'm like, you know what I mean? It's like, he doesn't want to be, and he seemed very nice, but they kind of slipped out after that because it's like, he just came to support a friend and watch a friend. And now he's got essentially a line of people like lining up to talk to him. And it's like, that's not what, in my mind, I'm like, that's, if that were me, I'm like, it's not. What I signed up for. And I tend to be a relatively... I like talking to people and meeting people, but I don't know what I would do in that situation. Because if I'm not in the headspace for it, mm-hmm. if I go out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to a signing. Or I'm going to speak at a panel or whatever. Then I'm uh, in the right headspace to be like, people are going to come up and talk to me and it's going to be super fun. But if I'm just out like to see a show, I'm not necessarily in the headspace to be like on do you know what I mean? To be entertaining and super interactive. I don't know. Yeah, but true.
0: But don't you think though that <clears throat> especially like Alan Tudyk, mm-hmm. very popular in the 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 geek community. Sure. So you think that I would think anywhere you'd go, you're more than likely going to get recognized by at least some person. Maybe you don't want to do the whole photographs and autographs, but if somebody wanted to come up and say,
1: hey, I really enjoy your work, thanks. But I think if that were it, it would be totally fine. But people were starting to line up to do photographs and autographs. And it's like, it just wasn't the venue for that. You know what I mean? It's just like not the place for it. So I don't, I'm always afraid that if I think that I can very discreetly to somebody, really walk over and just be like, I don't want to trouble you. I just want to, you know, I just want to tell you your work is important to me, which I don't know that I've... I don't know that I've actually ever done that. I don't know that I've felt that compelled to Hmm. to do that just because I have to weigh the options. It's like, just telling this person this, can I do it discreetly enough that it's not going to attract a lot of attention? Because if the answer is yes, then I do it. But if the answer is not really, then I don't.
0: I did it to Jackie Chan outside (gasps) of a pottery barn. At the
1: Bev Center. Well, I love Jackie Chan. See? And that's, if I tell, if people want to, like, go see celebrities and they come into town, I always tell them, well, go to either the Beverly Center or the Grove during the week. Yeah. And you'll see
0: celebrities. That's, that's where they are. And but, so, okay,
1: so what is, but so he did not have like a lot of people around him or anything, no,
0: right? No, I, he was waiting outside the Pottery Barn for somebody inside doing mm-hmm. some shopping. And uh, I was like, how often in my life am I going to see Jackie yeah. Chan? Yeah. So... I went over and just said that oh because uh, one of my favorite Jackie Chan movies this is this one called Who Am I and mm-hmm. it's a really cool two on one fight sequence that he does at the end I've always loved it and so I saw him and I was like I, uh, first I, I went over and I try to like, fight him a little bit and then, <laughs>
1: great no, great perfect
0: <laughs> fight me I <Yeah. laughs> you never got to be aware, you got to be. On you got to be
1: aware it all the time, man. Yeah, Are man. you real? That's how you test to see if he's really Jackie. That's him. right. If he can grab an everyday item off the pavement and strangle you with it quickly, and then flip flop, then you know that it's him. Yes.
0: Otherwise, mm, I'm flumpy as Jackie anybody. Jackie Imposter. Yes. Uh, and then I uh, asked for a very long embrace. And then we a good 10 to almost 12 minutes of just direct eye contact
1: uninterrupted eye contact yes
0: that's, <laughs> that's not a terrible no uh, but I just walked <laughs> up and just said hey I really because I, I, I'm always respectful of that too I don't mm-hmm. want to be that person that's gonna I'm sure he didn't come to the mall to all of a sudden talk to some dude that he's never met before in his life right so I just wanted to keep it very brief and if I I guess the rule of thumb is that person engages back mm-hmm. then maybe I'll chat for a moment yeah but otherwise it's just like a flyby hey really are like blah 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 I'll let you go bye so, yeah, yeah. So, so
1: how was he super nice?
0: I felt like at the beginning he thought like, oh man,
1: it's another one of these. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's so why I was like, e-. so I mean, I certainly read that, and I was like, e-. as much as I was already going in to keep it brief, I was right. like, I'm gonna make it even more succinct and yeah. just get out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, I, you know, how i who knows? If, Do you
1: say thank you and stuff?
0: Uh, he said, get the fuck away from me.
1: You. <laughs> I can't even get through a story yes. that he's lying. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> he, did, he did say
0: thank you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like who... I think you have to be a total jerk yeah. to have some fan come up and say a uh, pay you a compliment mm-hmm. and, then, and, and then not at least say, oh, well, thank you.
1: Yeah. It's
0: a, yeah, I know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that would be... Yeah,
1: I think that... And, you know, sometimes it can be as much, honestly, I think it's as much as like a look. Right? I mean... I think that it's just acknowledging... I mean, it's, it's weird. First of all, where we live is weird. True. You know what I mean? We live in a weird place. Where these people are just actual humans and they've got to do stuff like... Colin Hanks went to my dermatologist. He was in there when I was in there. And I was waiting for a... Like, to get the results of a biopsy. Oh, and I was, like, hanging out. And Colin Hanks came in. And they're like, oh, hi, Colin. He's like, oh, hi. And I heard his voice and immediately knew. Immediately knew. And he uh, went and, like, sat down across from me. And I looked up. And he kind of looked up the same time that I looked up. And so I just kind of like, I just like smiled at him and then like went back to my magazine. And so to me slowed. it's one of those things, time slowed, that's right. No, I... Yeah. Light's dim. Colin Hanks is great. He's great. <laughs> but um, his dad is, I think, my spirit animal. Do we talk about this? Yes. I think we've already discussed this. So you guys know. You've listened. You know what's up. But you, yeah. You, know, you, ca-
0: you long time casters know. You
1: long time casters know. But yeah, I think... Um, I think sometimes that's enough, right? I think that if you see somebody and you can be, they they he probably knew that I recognized him immediately. But it's like we're at a doctor's office. Yeah. Like can I I just
0: You know respect want to go a, your
1: privacy and <laughs> not be like, Hey, what something. are you here for? Like you know? You know? <laughs>
0: Hold this highlights mag. Come on, let's, yeah. let's do can it. Yeah, you just
1: get to pick with this highlights mag. Yeah, so you know, it's just kind of I think that's a bit of it and also these are people who you can also tell like these are people who are trying to be discreet more or less right like they're not um it's not like when you work where we worked and you get celebrities that listen if it's a celebrity couple and they're coming out of the saddle ranch chop house on universal city walk and they're a paparazzi there they've been tipped off like Just know if anybody, if there is a celebrity who does not want to be spotted, they're not going to go to the saddle ranch. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's also recognizing that it's like, yeah, if you're You're in a place like that, yeah, to be like, I just want to have a normal life. It's like, no, you don't, you lying piece of shit. Like you had your publicists, like their publicists call ahead and inform the paparazzi. So that's a real thing that happens too, you know, but I, I try to respect people's privacy when I see them just like out and around. JK like, Simmons was at my mall and I got real excited and then I saw him at my studio and I was like and I almost wanted to be like I saw you at my mall but I didn't why didn't you? because I'm, I was at work
0: so you can't say I saw you at my mall? It,
1: well no it would have <laughs> been we, uh, if we had been like having an actual conversation then I yeah. probably would have said something but like we weren't I was kind of he was you know going in to record a thing and I was leaving so
0: did you say hey I have farmers' insurance now
1: no no <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you. How shitty is that? If you're like, oh, we hey, you are
0: farmers. God, just come Creepy.
1: Well, and he's done all this like amazing work.
0: <laughs> That's so, the other so thing Rather than be about. like,
1: oh, you were amazing in Whiplash, or you were so good in Oz. I'm like, oh, hey, you're from the Farmers Insurance commercials. Like, <laughs> what a dick.
0: <laughs> I know? I do enjoy that person that recognizes um, people from like their. Just least impressive, yeah. credit. And it's like, yeah, man, that's great. I love you from that. You're so good. Because I feel like it, many people like, especially if they're visiting you from out of town. Like, uh-huh. how many celebrities do you see? Celebrities all the time, and I'll be honest, I, I'm sure like I have, but mm-hmm. I forget. So if anybody ever asks me that question, yeah, I am always like. I have to think for a long time about yeah. like, a celebrity that I've seen because I forget yeah. ones that I've seen. Yeah, And so I'll be like, mm, no, I don't really. And it ends up being like, I can't think of any. Which is so
1: stupid because you do all the time because of where you work, because of the job you do. <laughs> yeah,
0: But otherwise, I'm just like, oh, I can't remember. I, you should uh, be
1: like, yes, and here's a video of me interviewing that person.
0: Mm. Segway mm. it right into S- your own career. Snap. If you'd like to do that, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Be a supporter.
1: Yeah. Be you're a, welcome. Be
0: a subscriber. Be a know. subscriber. That's right. You get you know subscribers get you know access to premium content.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, All right number how do we even get to that, con- look at that conversation? What a tangent.
0: Uh so this Deathlock series though, I, I believe uh Dwayne McDuffie uh does some of the writing on this. Okay. And I love Dwayne McDuffie. He sadly is passed, but uh did you ever watch any of the Justice League animated shows like Justice League uh, no. or Justice League Unlimited?
1: No. But he, I've heard they're good.
0: They're phenomenal, mm-hmm. and especially during the second and third season of Justice League Unlimited, mm-hmm. he really oversaw and drove those stories, and they're fantastic. Okay. Just man, some of the really some of the best animated work that's come out from DC ever. All right. Uh, and he's also just a really great writer in general. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he died much too young. So it's uh it's definitely like his voice is definitely missed in comics today. So. Yeah. It's uh, any chance you get to read a Dwayne McDuffie story. It is a time well spent.
1: And this has like a super fun silver cover. Yeah,
0: back in the 90s, Mm -hmm. man. 90s, baby. And
1: what's great is in the lower left corner. They're celebrating 50 years of Captain America, 1941 to 1991.
0: Man. We are old. And we just got through with the 75th anniversary Mm -hmm. back in 2016.
1: That's right. Mm -hmm. I can count. Yeah, you can.
0: Uh, and our last uh, book from what's in the bag what's is the bag? Uh, Death's Head, who oh. uh, I believe he's a uh, Marvel UK-created character first. Marvel started off a publishing line over in Britain, Great yes. Britain, the UK. I and then talked started, about Yes, this. Yeah. started doing that line, and one of those characters was Death's Head, and he is a uh, robotic uh, a bounty hunter.
1: Okay.
0: And I He's never, scary looking. He's scary. I, I have to be honest... I know a, I, I know a bit about him, but I've never read any of his titles.
1: Okay. Yeah, and so the death of Death's Head is the name of that issue.
0: Yeah. Death's
1: Head Two.
0: So yeah, because this is his look right down here. Oh. With the long spiky things there, so he's had a few different looks throughout the years, but uh, yeah, ultimately he's just like a big badass uh, robotic bounty hunter.
1: I have never heard of either of those.
0: Oh, I actually I should. See if these are up on Marvel Unlimited. It'd be good to read some Death's Head because yeah. I've not really read any of them to see if they're more tongue in cheek mm-hmm. or like a uh, like Judge Dread is, uh two thousand A D series that came out over that time. You know, a little bit cool yeah, cool storytelling, but sometimes it can be a little tongue in cheek too. So I wonder if this falls under that same thing or mm-hmm. not.
1: They get a I was, check. I was... And none of those are signed.
0: None of them? Should we sign them?
1: We should no. we should sign them. <laughs>
0: All right, I got a pen right here. Great, Let me perfect. Go the Let's sign just do it.
1: I'm going to sign as the artist.
0: That's right. Yeah. I, I'm going to sign as myself. Okay, great. And there you go. Great, perfect. Stay
1: classy, Mike. Frank. <laughs> He's like, what have you done? <laughs> 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 All right, cool.
0: Oh, so that was another hot installment of the internet's sweetest game.
1: What's in the bag?
0: What's in the bag? What's in the
1: bag? What's all in right. the bag? Great. We did it. We did it. Nice job. Even though you pulled all three, I think it's terrible this time.
0: I, do you want to pull just one real quick? No. Just pull I one, move. cause you need to have the satisfaction. It was me. That was me. I it was, okay, it was okay. not. it. Okay. It was not deliberate, We're but yes. Oh no.
1: Oh. oh, it's a Spider-Man.
0: Oh. It is. Oh.
1: First all-new collector's item issue. <laughs> so, Spider Man: The Legend of the Arachnite, Torment Part One of Five. Oh, okay. By one, McFarlane.
0: Yes. So, Todd McFarlane, he got his start um, over on uh, in DC Comics. I believe, I believe he did Infinity Inc. Was I think one of the first pieces of uh, uh, stories that he did, okay. and uh, and that was basically DC back uh, before Crisis on Infinite Earths happened. You know, they had all the ooh, they had and all the multiple. Side. It's signed by by him. Uh, All the multiple Earths. So on Earth 2, you've got the Justice Society at that point. This, uh, Infinity Inc., is basically the sons and daughters Mm -hmm. and relatives and relations and uh, associates of the original Justice Society members. You're following their adventures. Okay. So Roy Thomas, Jerry Ordway, they start the series. Jerry Ordway leaves. Todd McFarlane comes in to start doing the art. And he does some really cool panel layouts that I really liked. I remember reading those and I was like, oh, these are really cool. Then he did a Batman year, uh, year two, which was kind of like taking place after, kind of like following up after Frank Miller's year one.
1: Okay. And eh,
0: not many people think that that's a great run. But he only did the first issue of it, I believe.
1: So you can't blame it entirely on him.
0: No, I mean, he's just the artist at that point, so I'm not going to really blame that on him. But then he comes over to Marvel and he starts doing uh, Incredible Hulk Uh with, with Peter David with a really cool run on that that uh, I highly recommend. It. It's just a really good, uh, cool new take on the Hulk. Okay. Where it's, a, you figure out that he goes back to his gray version that he was when he was first introduced. Oh, that's he's,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: where he's much more smart and clever. Okay. Uh, and Which I love that version of the Hulk. Not the Hulk smash, but the mm-hmm. more smart, where it seems more like a an obvious translation to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde.
1: Okay.
0: I, I feel like when you take that kind of template and put it on the Hulk, I enjoy those stories so much more than just the, the Hulk, Hulk smash. Okay. I don't enjoy that one or Hulk not mad Hulk. And you're like, please don't talk like that. <laughs> so, but then he goes on to Spider Man and he starts over in issue uh, two ninety nine. I believe was his first issue, and then three hundred when they inter uh, they introduce Venom for the first time. Oh, so okay. he uh, Ted McFarlane is one that designed the look of Venom as well. So oh, that's he cool. uh, he works with uh, David Michelini on several issues. Goes up to I think did the, the 320s and then this is like Tom McFarlane at this point is just rocketing into the stratosphere in terms of just how, uh, how much attention how much fanfare how much love that he's getting from the fans the sales are going through the roof mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel is just loving this because they're, money money
1: money money yeah, yeah. so
0: you've got uh, Rob Liefeld Jim Lee Todd McFarlane all coming together at the same time doing all these titles you've got Rob Liefeld on uh, New Mutants uh-huh. you've got Jim Lee on X-Men and then you've got Todd McFarlane on uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh. And so they say like, my God, these guys are really bringing the, uh, this in force. Why don't we give them a chance to do their own titles? So they stop New Mutants, they spin that into X-Force. And so Rob Liefeld is drawing that, Fabian, and Fabian Nicieza is writing it. Hmm. Then you've got Jim Lee. They say, you know what, let's uh, let's spin off and start a second X-Men title, something that had never been done before. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna do a sister book to this. And we'll have Jim Lee come over and start drawing that. Chris Claremont started writing it for the first, I think it was four issues, maybe six. But then Chris Claremont leaves the X Men for a long stretch of time. And Jim Lee starts Why? taking over. Because by that point, Jim Lee had, or excuse me, Chris Claremont hadn't written it since the early, gosh, the early issue, early 100, oh no, since 90, uh, I think 90. Ninety four? X Men ninety four ninety five. He had been writing it since then. So it'd been like ten plus years. Okay. He'd been writing X Men. Okay. But then all of a sudden you get started you've had these artists where usually it was Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. Then it was like uh, Dave Cockrum was kinda of a little bit more well known than Chris Claremont, but then Chris Claremont and then John Byrne really hit together. And then John Byrne left the title after over kind of disagreements mm-hmm. with Chris Claremont. And so Chris Claremont stayed and it just became like a. a various artists would come in and do the book, but Chris Claremont was there throughout. So he just, his... So he had a hand on it. His status, yeah, just kept on writing. So if you're thinking about X-Men, more often than not, you're thinking of Chris Claremont. Okay. But uh, eventually, Jim Lee comes on. Uh, in fact, Mark Silvestri did a long run with him on, on Kenny X-Men, and he'd leave to go form Image with Jim Lee and okay. Rob Liefeld. But then Mark Silvestri leaves, and Jim Lee comes on. And pretty, pretty soon after Mark Silvestri left... Jim Lee comes on. And that was another one where all of a sudden like, boom, everything just hit like gangbusters on the X-Men. But also, everybody realized, like, man, the the stories are great, but man, the art is phenomenal. Hmm. And let's, people are buy, loving this art, so why don't we focus more on that? And Chris Claremont kind of felt himself getting kind of like, boxed Pushed out. out. Yeah. So, then eventually, basically, he left and and in fact, to do, to this day, Marvel still play, pays Chris Claremont. And essentially it's for him to not write anything. Wow. He's just under retainer for them, but it's just like all right, yeah, you're just here under our dime, but you don't but you're not going to be writing anything for anybody else. So they just kind of keep him
1: He's like a buyout, it's like yeah. a constant buyout.
0: Cuz he's come back to the X-Men a few times, never really the main title, but like some like X-Men Forever where he I think like seven or eight eight years. I mean, even closer to 10. After he had left X-Men originally, mm-hmm. he started a series called X-Men Forever, where he goes back and says, what if I had never left the title? You know what? If I hadn't, this is what I would have done. And then starts telling stories, just kind of picking up for from where he originally left off.
1: That's interesting.
0: It was interesting, it's but it's also... weird,
1: though. Yeah,
0: but also it's not really... It's not really exactly mm-hmm. what you would have done. Some of the initial ideas, maybe, but... Right. You figure, like, you've also had 10 years of just, like... Either thinking about these characters mm-hmm. or just like, oh man, if I ever had a chance to go back, he would do something. So it's not really exactly what him back in when he left in the early 90s had left the X Men. If yeah. that's exactly what he would have done if he stayed on the title. Huh. And also, feel like that's a book that you can make those crazy changes because it really doesn't count. Yeah. It's not the real title, There's it's no just mistakes. like a spin off. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can kill, like he killed Wolverine off in like in the first couple issues and he never came back. He's like, was oh, spell.
1: that's. That's a shame.
0: Yeah, but it's also telling you, like, yeah, if you were doing this, if this is the real X-Men book.
1: Right, you wouldn't have done that.
0: No, they wouldn't let you kill off. Too ballsy, yeah. yeah. He's too popular of a character. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so Todd McFarlane's doing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, with David Michellini. And then they say, you know what, Todd, you want to write and draw? Guess what, we're going to spin it off we're going to give you your own book. We're going to give you your own Spider-Man. We're going to do a number one, and the sales for this go Bonkers. I mean, this for
1: this that this, we that we're holding. Yeah,
0: this and uh, the new X Men title that Jim Lee had done too with Chris Claremont. The t- the sales for those were we're talking over millions of copies sold for these. Wow. But a lot of that had to do with the speculator market market that Marvel was doing too because they came up with various different versions. You could get like a, a one bagged so you couldn't see what the book was inside so you can see the cover but it was especially bagged. Different kind of. Uh, treatments to the cover
1: it's like variants yeah kind of cover. like
0: variants yeah so all different types of styles of cover so with everybody felt like you know what if i love these i gotta get every single oh, cover yeah and so you just then that's when the, the market went bust because it just it was like you were inflating these right. sales right. when there really wasn't the sales behind them so mm-hmm. as soon as they stopped doing the variants boom the sales just well down again yeah so he gets this uh he gets a shot yeah. And I have to admit, as a kid, I was like, all right, all right, cool, Tom McFarlane. I love the way he draws Spider-Man, because mm-hmm. I, I love the way he does the webs. They're almost like spaghetti sort of yeah. kind of coming out. They're really goopy and weird. Uh-huh. So I always love those. And so he gets his first title, and man, it's a rough story. He, Is it? I, because he, he, he left Spider-Man and went to Image Comics and started Spawn. And Spawn was another character I just could never get into. I... To be honest, I like Todd McFarlane better as an artist than I ever did as a writer. I yeah. just can't get in it. Yeah. And if you ever get a chance to read this issue, and you can read it on Unlimited and stuff, mm. it is, the writing is just, oof, it is rough. And it's the him going up against the lizard who's under the command of some voodoo, some priestess, I think like, who's associated with Craven Hunter, I believe.
1: Okay. Just, like, too complicated? Yeah.
0: There's uh, there's one line where uh, Tyler McFarlane writes caption boxes and describing Spider-Man where he just says just say his webbing advantageous. What? It's just one thing to describe about Spider-Man. No, his oh, webbing advantageous.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me want to read it, though, now because I want to see what you consider, like, really terrible writing.
0: You should. Uh, you would enjoy it. Pla- okay. Just give it a... Pr- give the first issue a spin. If you can finish the first five issues, it's... It's just, the art, it's like, the art's fun to look at, but the story's like,
1: oh, man. What have you done?
0: Yeah. So he ended up leaving, I think it was around, I think it was around issue 15 or so, Mm. that he ended up leaving and then eventually going, hey, I'm going to Image, see you suckers later. But the sales were just, even though the writing was not great, I mean, Mm. the sales were just still there. Oh, uh, you know, and so when the art, when the artists wanted a bigger piece of the pie, because like, Hey, people are buying all these books because of what we're doing. Right. Marvel said, you know what? These are our characters. Hmm. So, you know, this is what the deal is. You can like it or leave it. And they said, you know what? We're going to leave it. Which to that point had been like, Whoa, who are these artists to say they're not going to work on our products or our characters. Right. You're just going to go off on your own and do your own characters. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. And they form their own company, and then they come off like rock stars. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, "Whoa, man! They just stepped away from Marvel." Yeah, and, and it was it was interesting because when they all left, like there was not really great artists. There wasn't really great artists left at Marvel. Yeah. at the time, and you're like, "Oh man, they really left a hole." Uh, but I feel like, as cool as that was that for them to kind of like, certainly create a rights, they deserve something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bigger piece of the pie for putting in the work that they do but other than Eric Larson and Savage Dragon uh-huh. I never really got into and I think to a lesser extent Jim Lee's Wildcats I never really got into any of those original Sevens like stories and characters that they created hmm. like Spawn never really got into Youngblood from Life Rob Liefeld yeah I think more like Supreme mm-hmm. who's kind of like a Superman analog I got into that especially when he had Alan Moore come in and start writing it yeah so that And then he did he really did kind of like stories that were very kind of Superman-esque, but with a different spin that you couldn't do with Superman. Okay. But uh, like Jim Lee had Wildcats, which, yeah, okay. I think I, Wildcats was a concept that worked better when other writers started taking over from Jim Lee and mm-hmm. doing it than when Jim Lee was doing it himself. And Will's Prestatio had well, What Works, which I never got into at all. Mm-hmm. I think it was these, like these cyborgs and they went up against mo- monsters like, Vampires and Wolfman and Frankenstein monsters. I think I not know.
1: for you. Yeah. Well, when was the so on the front of this? And this is the last thing, because I know we want to move on to our our uh, signed reading. Uh, when was the the Comics Code Authority like disbanded? Because this is from August of nineteen ninety, mm-hmm. and it says approved by the Comics Code Authority on the uh, front. Gosh, I. Um, I guess I thought that it was disbanded like a lot earlier than 1990.
0: I want to say it was the mid 90s. Okay. That it got taken off, and Marvel is one of the the first places to do it, where it's just like, you know what, we we're still going to publish this work anyway. Yeah. You know, it's up to you.
1: Whether you approve or not. Yeah.
0: Let's let's see what uh, we'll Google this up real quick.
1: So while you're googling, I think it's fun because so this is signed, and I'll put a picture up on the, on the comic book novice uh, Instagram so you guys can see it, but. Um, it looks like McFarlane signed on Spider-Man's knee, which I think is kind of hilarious because it's like the one place on this cover that he could sign that his signature would show up because it's so busy. <laughs> Pardon me, I have the hiccups now. Um, other than Spider-Man's balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's like a That's straight true. up, in the very center, almost center of this book, it's like Spider-Man's got his legs apart and he's crouching, but it's like a straight up crotch shot. And I kind of wish that McFarlane had signed in his crotch. I think that would have been really funny. Mm. But that's just me. But he, he's just going to
0: like teabagging it. Yeah, just a
1: little teabagging it. But he signed over on his knee.
0: So has Mike ever told and well, I guess we should ask, you should ask him so we can find mm-hmm. out, did he actually get Top McFarlane to sign this in person or did I he just buy it signed? I
1: think that this is one of the ones that he bought signed. Oh. I can yell, hey, Mike. Maybe not. We'll have to find out. (laughs) I'll ask him.
0: Uh, So it says here by the early 2000s, publishers bypassed the Comics Court Authority and Marvel Comics abandoned it in 2001.
1: Oh, here he is. Did you buy this signed or did you get. This is is Mike, my fiance. Um, (laughs) Did you buy this signed or did you have him sign it?
0: I honestly, I don't think either of us had him signed. That might have been my brother. Mm-hmm. And my brother had a habit of, like, he would,
1: like, years ago, like, 1992, 93 Comic-Cons would go and buy autographed ones then, like, he was investing. So, oh, all right. But cool. I was, I, I'm not sure, because it was so long ago, but, mm-hmm. um... Thanks, Tim. Yeah.
0: Cool. Wow. All That's what right. I was looking for too.
1: Yeah, well, we found it.
0: Well, I mean, Thank I you. did ask, minute because we found some that hadn't been autographed. Do you want us to autograph them for you?
1: Yes, absolutely, yes. Okay, or Wait, like, Draw mustaches on the characters. Make it your own. Sounds cool. I love it. (laughs)
0: Thank you. So it says uh, Barbara Comics abandoned it in 2001, and by 2010, only three major publishers still adhered to it DC Comics, Archie Comics, and Bongo. And Bongo broke in 2010, and DC and Archie followed in January 2011. Oh my gosh. 2011. that's, an, that's impressive. That like, I, did, I did not think it had gone on that I long. I can't
1: believe it lasted long. I guess, although if one was going to stick to it, I guess it would have been Archie Comics.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess you're like the like, good wholesome stuff. Yeah.
1: Because
0: <laughs> I guess by that point you're getting more into, uh, but even uh, anything they didn't was never, totally risque. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: It was just getting a little bit more thrilling like with Afterlife after Ar- afterlife, of, afterlife of Archie.
1: Yeah. All right. Mm. Cool.
0: So there you go. We all learned something a little more. We bit all big. learned
1: something, and that uh, was a, an extra long extended edition of what's in the bag. What's
0: in the bag? It was it was uh, fan demanded. Is what fan, like that's to that's what it
1: was. The fans are clamoring for more. What's in the bag? That's right. So uh, so you're welcome. You're welcome, everybody.
0: Don't say we don't love you.
1: You don't can't you can't say don't it. But you say it. You can't say it. Uh, so now we've got Nightwing. Yes. Which was recommended um, by Mario. The you ask for it,
0: we deliver we it. We delivered.
1: That's right. So this yeah, with, is
0: with a brief discussion now. With, the, with,
1: we, a, with a brief discussion because we spent a lot of time going over what's in the mystery bag, and then,
0: uh-huh. uh, and then a lot of talk about celebrities.
1: A lot, I know, I know. We spent like six minutes on Tudic.
0: It wouldn't be a Novice and Frank podcast without a nice Ooh, tangent little tangent thrown in there.
1: Yes. you're welcome. We got. We like to keep you guys guessing. Um, so. Frank, so you you've read this Nightwing before? Yes. Right. Okay. So, great. so this is Dick Grayson. Yes. Who was Robin? He was. Is no longer Robin now. He's Nightwing, and he's moved to a different town.
0: Yes, called Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. Basically. on the outskirts of Gotham's kind of considered just as bad as Gotham is. Bloodhaven's considered even worse.
1: Which felt like kind of a scam to me, but I'll get to that. All right. So. He, so he goes to Bloodhaven to basically, there's 21 bodies. Yes. That have washed up in Gotham, which take him to Bloodhaven. And then he kind of sets up camp in Bloodhaven. And he is joined soon enough by the new Robin.
0: Uh, eventually, yeah, by issue six, he comes by to pay him a visit. That's right. And Dick is already just like, wait, did Batman send you? Is he? Are you checking up on me?
1: Yeah, he's real insecure. He's got a real complex relationship. So... Uh, how was this reading it again?
0: It was. It was. It was cool to go back. Uh, it had been a while since I've read these issues, and it was like interesting to remember. Like, how, how many issues did you read? For this? Eight. Eight. I hmm.
1: read what I thought was. Wimp. Oh, what I well, that's what I thought was their <laughs> run. So we we read the run by. Um,
0: I Chuck. went by Chuck Dixon, Scott McDaniel, and Carl Story doing the inks. I think I went all the way up to I went to issue I want up to issue eleven.
1: This was when I looked. It, I thought that it was only these eight that was when I searched. It brought up only these eight issues by Chuck Dixon and
0: Scott McDaniel. Scott
1: McDaniel. Oh, interesting. So that's so that's what I read. That's why. That's why I read mm, what I read. I
0: see quitter. I okay, got it.
1: All right. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to just start like adding these to my queue so that I know that I read the right stuff for this podcast. No,
0: no, I mean, that that's still a nice healthy chunk of it. And in fact, one of the characters that you see introduced in the first issue is this police officer, Dudley uh, Soames. Mm-hmm. And you basically, by if you get all the way up to issue 11 you get to see what his final fate is. Oh. Or what you think is. Okay. Yes. All right. So.
1: Cool.
0: Which it was interesting going back to reread this because I in my head I thought that what happens in issue 11 happened much later in the run, mm. and realizing, like, whoa, this happened much faster than I remembered it happening. So, which I, in fact, I kind of like. It, yeah. It, because it's, in one sense, it's like, how long can you keep this kind of status quo without something changing? Because mm-hmm. if you constantly see Nightwing being on the losing end, that this corruption is always ever present. Yeah. Without any sort of kind of change, you're like, what oh. a bummer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he's kind of, I mean, it's interesting. I liked seeing. I liked seeing his relationship with this new Little Robin, because Little Robin is... I shouldn't call him Little Robin, because he's just Robin, whereas Dick Grayson is Nightwing. What do you want
0: to call him Little Robin? He's, new,
1: okay. he's new Little Robin. Little, he's not Little, he's a Little.
0: I, I like the conversation between them, though, because yeah, I thought I was it was really nice. It really sets up the distinction between like, the two characters. We are
1: characters. not the same Robin. Yeah. And he's like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And I like that they kind of elaborated, because... And it basically... Little Robin, now he's got essentially plans for retirement. He's yeah. like, This is a limited gig. It's like, wow, you're probably like the same kind of kid who already is like working on your 401k and stuff.
0: And I feel like this is a distinct characteristic of Tim Drake that I had never really read in any other superheroes. It was that. He knew that this was not something he was going to do for his entire life. Mm. That there would be some point where he's like, you know what, I'm good, I'm done, I've done my thing, and now I'm going to move on to something else.
1: It's it seems like he looks at it almost like military service. Like some people yeah. go into the military and they want to be in the that they want to be in the and they love it and they want to be in the military and they want to get to you know the highest rank and they want to serve for their life because they you know what I mean. They either mm-hmm. feel called to do that or they like the lifestyle or you know what whatever reason people have but other people are like you know what I'm going to go and I'm going to do my tour and then I'm done when yeah. I when I'm done when my you know when my time is done so I think he he kind of looks at it as was like well yeah this was my calling but it's not my life yeah which is sort of interesting it's and an interesting perspective I never thought about somebody getting into this it's the first time that I've ever read a character getting into the superhero racket for a just to ...be in it temporarily. It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to do this my whole life.
0: You're not? What you, what you yeah, we're just... To? Yeah,
1: most of them are, are like, well, this lifestyle chose me and now I have to do it. And I will keep doing it until I am killed by a bad guy. Because that's how I will die. Most likely. Because
0: uh, I I feel like it also puts like a realistic kind of element to him. Because I would like to think... If you're fighting crime uh-huh. for that long, for however it starts, like say it's 10 years... I would like to think that if you have your act together, you're going to leave the city in a much better place than when you found it. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if not, then you're then you've really got to question the way you're going about stuff. If you can't affect any sort of positive change mm-hmm. on a city for like yeah. ten years, and you, yeah. If you've done, if the city is just as bad or if not worse than when you first <laughs> started, then yeah. you consider your your tenure a failure. Yeah. But the idea that hopefully you're leaving it in a better place, and then you get to that point where it's like, all right, I feel like this is a great stopping point. I've got to this this uh, this goal that I had in mind, mm-hmm. and now I can step aside. Yeah. and the uh, the other thing that I like about that too is like there's so many when you think of like the mentor mentee relationships with superheroes, mm-hmm. it's always just kind of I don't know it's like kind of unspokenly assumed that uh, that these mentees are going to eventually take the roles. Of their mentors. Mm-hmm. So certainly when you've got uh, Robin becoming Batman. And that was more Dick Grayson's thing. He'd become Batman mm-hmm. a few different times. But I like that Tim Drake says, you know what? I have no interest in being Batman. I just want to be Robin. And yeah. that's all I need to be.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's... I. So this was, I think, kind of my favorite thing about this arc. At least what I read. Um, is I liked kind of having that exploration of... Okay, well, what do you... Because f- yeah, his... Uh, like you said, his... his Nightwing's first instinct is that batman has sent this little robin to check up on him you know what i mean Mm -hmm. he that's his first and he's real pissed about it he's in a pissy mood right off the bat he's like oh did he send you here to make sure that i'm okay are you going to tell him that i'm a failure are you going to tell him (laughs) like he's so concerned over what batman thinks of him you know and their relationship seems kind of um it's just it's just interesting it seems complex which it should it's, an, it's a weird relationship that it, they have, you know? It
0: definitely is. And I feel like his was it's certainly the most... Has the most different levels and fluctuations than I think any of the other Robins yeah. had. So it just... Yeah, and I don't know because, it, you know, it's like the oldest son. Yeah. You know, it's, always, it's always going to be a little different with that.
1: And the prodigal son a little bit at this point because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's kind of taken off. I think that he kind of wants that, right? I think that he... I would, I would assume that when he's in Gotham, he, he feels like he's literally under Batman's shadow.
0: Yeah. You know? And he even says so much in these issues. So right. it's like to go to another town where mm-hmm. you can just kind of carve out your own path.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. Uh, Scott McDaniel doing the art. Uh, what I liked is that it really plays into something that I think makes Dick Grayson unique amongst all the other Robins, and different from Batman, uh-huh. is that he's, he's an acrobat at heart. Uh-huh. That's what he is. He's what he grew up being. Which is cool. Yeah, and it really just influences the way that he moves. And mm-hmm. whether it's just walking around in civilian life or when he's in action mm-hmm. fighting crime.
1: He's and, very, like, graceful. Yes. Yeah.
0: And the, uh, the way that Scott so. McDaniels does one of my favorite things that I love in comic books is when you've got, like, the multiple images... Of, mm-hmm. char- of a character bouncing through a panel, yeah. just it really gives you that sense of movement. Yeah, and I, I'm always a sucker when an artist will take the time to, to plot all that. that out. Yeah,
1: because
0: um, for me, I don't know if you do it, but I try to like in my head, like, okay, yep, that makes sense. I try to be like, yep, that 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 all you would work. You try to
1: choreograph it as it's going on in your head. Yeah, and, and it's you're like, sort of like your imagination sort of filling in between the panels.
0: And just and I'm always there to like, yep, that would that would be the logical movement that you take to get from this one to this one. Huh. And then occasionally, artists will do this, and you're like. Wait, wait no. a minute. Yeah, how would you get to this position? That yeah. seems weird to me.
1: That's interesting. That's how you read it. I'm usually so focused on the dialogue. Like, mm. if my like, dialogue to dialogue, I almost have to remind my... I think that if it's good, if it's harmonious, then I'm catching the action also, and it's like I don't even realize that I'm doing it. I'm kind of reading everything at once. If it's disjointed, I read through the dialogue, and then I find myself going back and, like, looking at the panels and being like, wait, what's happening? You know? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I think that's, that's neat. I think he, I wish that they had done a Nightwing film. Here's, if I'm wishing things, I wish that Patrick Swayze were still alive in his peak. Because I think he would have made an amazing Nightwing. In prime. Like
0: like Red Dawn, Patrick Swayze?
1: Yeah, well, I was thinking like Dirty Dancing, Patrick Swayze. Mm, Okay. But like, he was so light, he was so light on his feet when he moved, you know, because he was a dancer. But I'm like, I'm reading through this book and thinking like, God, he looks like Patrick Swayze like a darker hair Patrick <laughs> Swayze in some of these panels and I'm like that casting would have been amazing because he was also super acrobatic and could also move like that wouldn't that have been a great God. film
0: I would love to see like like a late 80s early 90s Nightwing film starring Patrick Swayze Right wow that just that would be gosh, I just be cast it in my
1: head and I'm proud of myself that my imagination Look put at that. that together <laughs> Um but uh but yeah I think uh, I think he's cool looking and um
0: I, I don't know how about you felt. Like, it, at the first issue, they carried over a look of Nightwing that I was never a fan of, and that was the long ponytail. Yeah,
1: I didn't like it.
0: <sighs> I was so glad.
1: When it got chopped off. Yes. I like that they made a point of saying, like, it got chopped off.
0: Yeah. And he's like, oh, I guess I was getting tired of it anyway. So I'm like, oh, okay.
1: So funny and weird. Yeah, I uh, I, I was too. I thought it was a little weird. Um, I felt like one of the things that stuck out to me from the visuals of this is the feeling of heights. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the angles in which he drew some of them, it's like if he's on top of a building looking down. You kind of get that weird, almost like a vertigo feeling when you look at it because of the way that everything's sort of warped, yes and shaped. And I don't I haven't really had a lot of that looking at comic books, that feeling, but I think in this one in particular, because he's kind of soaring over everything, the way that it's drawn, it's kind of it, nothing's like necessarily straight up and down. It's kind of warped, which gives you the feeling that you're like looking down on something.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a fun story and you I definitely feel like you get to see McDaniel uh I mean it's it he'd already done like stuff on Daredevil and stuff by I the time mean, he came over to DC and was doing Nightwing, but even then you still get to see him kind of refine his look through mm-hmm. the course of these issues and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh it's it is a it's a fun read. It mm-hmm. was fun to go back and reread it.
1: Good. It yes. held up
0: it it held up and moved, yeah. And uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, man! I want to just—I I love to keep reading this. It's—it's yeah. it's fun to be able to dive back in." Good. So good recommendation, Marco. Mario. Mario. Ah, bad, bad, re, bad complimenting Frank. That's all right. Great. Me- Frank rec- is it? Frank. Yep. Frank. Yep. Great recommendation, Mario.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Mario. Yeah, I would uh, I would recommend this. I thought it was good, especially for my first four way into Nightwing. Oh yeah, I w- I was not familiar with him at all, so I feel like I got a nice kind of grasp of the character.
0: It'd be interesting because, of course, he's got in the new Fifty Two has a new series. Mm. Be curious to go and have at some point for you to read those issues and see how, uh, like you compare this first Nightwing, this first Nightwing series, back to what's this sketches. January? It's like 90- 97. Yeah, to now like 2017, so 20 Ten, years.
1: Yeah, 20, I can't do math. I'm like 10 yeah, years, yeah. yeah, whole decade.
0: 20 years nope. later to see how you think that your know, Nightwing has kind of stayed the same and how he's kind of evolved. Is his costume the same? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. For a while, he kind of went to a red version where the blue is instead yeah. of, yeah, it was red. I never liked that version, but now he's back to the blue. That's where it's like, that's the good stuff. Okay. Nightwing's got to be blue, yeah, not red.
1: interested in giving it a shot? All right. Well, um,.
0: I know we've got to wrap. We got to wrap it
1: up because you got sh- you got shit to do. But I, I know. Did you want to talk about? I think our last uh, our last um, issue that we did here, uh, we said we were going to do the original Tank Girl. Yes. Do you want to should stick we give, with we, that? Yes. Yeah, should we give that's it a, a shot? That's a Blair recommendation. Yeah. It's all right, Blair. Blair.
0: Let's do it from Blair. All
1: right. All right, so Blair. You you wanted all. for
0: it. I've never read it, so it's I gonna didn't be. I haven't either. We're, right we're both gonna be novices on this one. That's right. Novices.
1: novices. Novices. Oof, man, I'm losing it. It's all right. You gotta you gotta <laughs> save some of that brain power. You gotta go interview some people Whoa. or give your thoughts on things and I, stuff. I'm
0: interviewing Mike, the uh, head of uh, Secret Service on Designated Survivor tonight.
1: That's cool. There you go. Wow, everybody, tune in. Go by the time this airs it'll be a week old but go yeah
0: you can watch it on youtube go
1: check it out on youtube yes um you can also find frank at happy go jackie on uh on the instagrams yeah and the the grams and the twits that's right happy go jackie you can find me at comic book novice um you can tweet at us both yeah uh using the hashtag uh the novice and frank or email us your suggestions and feedback at thenobs frank at gmail.com.
0: Yes, we love getting suggestions. We, we love, do. If, you, if you get a suggestion, we're super excited because we have many ideas uh, of things that we could recommend to each other, but we want to make sure that you fans are getting to hear what you really want to listen to. That's
1: so. right. That's in a perfect world. That's yes. what we like. Yeah.
0: So you tell us, we'll read it.
1: We'll read it, we'll discuss it, it'll be fun. Uh, thank you again. And we'll for also probably listening. go
0: on some tangents as well. We
1: might, we might, mm. we might go on some tangents. <laughs> uh, thank you as always to Alan Tudyk. Yes. Um, for listening and inspiring. And uh, I guess we'll play ourselves out.
0: Ooh, all right.
1: Flap, 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 flap.
0: I used to be a bat.
1: Flap, 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 flap.
0: I never was a cat.
1: I'm the night wing. I'm my own damn thing. I'm a lifer in the surface, not just temporary.
0: I fight. Crime and I serve beer, (laughs) and I don't stop until I get Batman's approval.
1: Because it's all about approval to me in the end. Get away from me, tiny Robin.
0: Why are you so small?
1: <laughs> Little bitty, you're cerebral talented, but I'm an acrobat. I'm for and wing. Check it out again with us. We are I'm the Novice and Frank. Frank. <laughs> Oh, he lost it on that That one. That (laughs)
0: was. He's a fucking nightwing, man.
1: He is, man.
0: A fucking (laughs) nightwing.
1: Fucking nightwing. I, uh,.